Assalamu alaikum. This means peace be to you. I'll say it again. All right? And then you say, alaikum salam. Assalamu alaikum. All right, I said, peace be to you, and you said also, peace be to you. You know, Jesus, after his resurrection three times, he appeared to the disciples and he said, Assalamu alaikum, peace be to you. So don't think it is Islamic, it is more Christian than anything else. Amen? All right. Well, I'm so privileged to be here. I want to thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you are giving to me. And uh, I want to ask uh, to thank Paul Esterbrook because it was his turn to speak. And maybe some of you came to hear him, but he was so generous. And he gave me uh, his time to speak because tomorrow morning I'm flying back to uh, Tel Aviv and then to my home in Jerusalem. So thank you, Paul, very much. Uh, with me also we have um, Leslie uh, Bartley. And she has hosted me, she and her husband, for the last 12 days, showing me real Canadian hospitality. And it was wonderful. We went around, we were speaking in churches, so thank you very much, Leslie. And if you want to know more about Hope Outreach, uh, please ask Leslie and Paul after the service. They'll tell you more about it. Um, This morning, I... uh, want to talk to you about the Palestinian church. And before I go to the PowerPoint, I want to read a scripture that blessed my soul so many times, and I think it will bless your soul. Okay, this is from the second letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. And uh, since you look so smart, I'll read it in Arabic. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'll I'll settle for English. Okay. Uh, Paul is writing in the second letter of... uh, uh, First letter to Thessalonians chapter 2. You know, I don't have time to really preach. You know, I have very little time and I want to tell you about the Palestinian church. So I'm just going to read the scripture. But I, I wish when you go home, read these verses again. And try to find out six or seven things that Paul says that I and the fellow ministers that work with me, we will not do. Because it's wrong to do. And then he left about five or six things that Paul is saying, I will do. These are the things that we will do. So that will bless you as you contemplate on these verses. And those of you who are preachers or would become preachers, this is really good for all of us who are serving the Lord. The things that we should not do as servants of God and also the things that we should do as servants of God. Here it is. You know, brothers, and I would add sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been uh, insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared to tell you his gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make 
does not spring from error or impure motives. Here are part of the things that Paul would not do. All right? Nor are we trying to trick you. He would not trick anybody. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not, here again, another thing Paul would not do. We are not trying to please men or women. You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. Paul was not greedy for anybody's money. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise. Oh, (laughs) this is difficult for us today. (laughs) We love praise. Okay, we were not looking for praise from men, nor from you, nor from anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we could have been burdened to you, but we were gentle among you. And here he starts telling us what kind of servant he is and the fellows with him. But we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, because you have become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel of God to to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and glory. Amen. I, I love this. I, I'm a preacher. I like to preach, but I'm, you know, I mean, you have good preachers here. But I want to tell you about the church in the Holy Land. Some of the challenges we have, the spiritual challenges, the political cha- challenges, and the economic challenges, so that you can pray for God's people in the Holy Land. And what applies to Palestine applies also to the Middle East. It applies to Egypt. It applies to Syria, to Iraq, to, to all the countries in the Middle East and North Africa. And um, I, I know we don't have much time, so maybe after uh, the chapel, I will be out. If you have questions, I'll be very glad to answer your questions. But if we don't even have time for this, come to Bethlehem. We have a guest house in Bethlehem. We can have about 40 of you. Just come and and be with us. And uh, uh, Leslie will tell you about two or three trips to the Holy Land. All right. Why should we be concerned about the church in the Holy Land? And here are the reasons. The church in the Holy Land is struggling to survive. When I was a child living in Jerusalem, early on when I was born, the number of Christians was about 17%. Today, it is less than 2%. So you see, even in my lifetime, it went down about 15%. The church is caught in the middle of a complicated global religious and political conflict, mainly the Arab-Israeli conflict. And it's also the land where the church was born. 
I've been around many places in Canada. Thank you for the nice warm weather. Everybody warned me in Jerusalem. It's going to be cold in Canada. I got all of my coats and my blankets and my pillow. And No, I didn't. <laughs> no, but they, they warned me. It's going to be cold. And look the weather, how nice it is. All right. Uh, but Canada is a nice place. But I don't know why Jesus was not born in Canada. <laughs> He was, he was born in Bethlehem, you know, and that's, that's one reason to really care about the church in the Holy Land. All right, let me see now if this will work. Okay, here are numbers. The numbers of Palestinian Christians in the Holy Land. You know, most likely if you meet a Christian in Jerusalem or in Bethlehem, he or she is a Palestinian and Arab. Because most of the Christians in the Holy Land are Palestinian Arab Christians. There are over 50,000 Christians living in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip. This is 1.5% of the Palestinian population, which is 3.6 million. In Israel, not in the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, in Israel proper, there are 117,000 Arab Christians. This number is 1.7% of the total Israeli population and 9% of the Arabs who live in Israel. 11,000 Arab Christians live in East Jerusalem. That's where I pastor the East Jerusalem Baptist Church in East Jerusalem. Now, let me ask you, what is an Arab? Okay, I, just because of the time, I won't wait, wait for your answer. I know you know exactly. But here's the definition. An Arab is a person who speaks the Arabic language and identifies himself or herself with the Arabic culture. So if you speak Arabic and you say, I'm an Arab, then you are an Arab. That's all. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, an, Israeli, an Israeli will be a citizen of the state of Israel. A more difficult definition will be what is a Jew. But the most um, widely acknowledged definition of a Jew in Israel today is that a Jew is a person whose mother is a Jew. Grandmothers count also. Men don't count. You cannot trust them. <laughs> All right. All right. Yeah. Christians in the Holy Land need unity. Look in the uh, middle line. In the Holy Land, every denomination desires to have strong presence. We have them, the Greek Orthodox, the Catholic, the Armenian Church, the Assyrian Church, the Ethiopian Church. Just call it. We have it. We almost have more denominations than we have Christians. So please, be pray for the Christian unity in the Holy Land. All right. Uh, another problem we have is immigration. More than two-thirds of Palestinian Christians in the world live in diaspora outside their country. Just people leave the country. Why do they leave? Because of the situation of war and occupation, the economic turmoil, instability, uncertainty about their future in the Holy Land. So this is one big problem the church is facing, not only in Palestine, but throughout the Middle East and North Africa. Before the Arab Spring in Libya, there was 1.5 million, 1 million Christians. Most of them now left the country. So Iraq... Um, in the last few years, about a million Christians left Iraq. Egypt, in the last few months, about 50,000 uh, Christians left Egypt in the last few months. 
So pray that the Christians will continue to stay in the Middle East because we need a witness for Jesus Christ in that land. Ways to stem immigration. What are we trying to do at Bethlehem Bible College to slow down the immigration of Christian community? We try to address the root causes, the political conflict, the economic instability, and the religious misunderstandings. I'll be sharing a little bit of these things to you if I have time. If I don't have time, please tell me and I'll quit. Because we, I'm also dean of students at the chapel, and I make people stop talking if they talk too long in chapel at Bethlehem Bible College. Okay, encourage, we encourage young people to stay. We study needed vocations and we create training programs for these skills. At the Bible College, we teach more than the Bible so that people will have jobs. Here are the challenges. If somebody asks you, what are the challenges of the church in the Holy Land? Under the current political and economic situation, keeping Christians in the Palestinian territories is impossible. But what is impossible with men, it is possible with God. So let's continue to pray and believe. There must be progress towards peace and a lasting solution which will guarantee stability for the Christian communities. There is no fear that Islam will disappear. Muslims are plenty in number in the Holy Land. There's no fear that Israel will disappear. It's very, very strong. The only concern is the Christian community in the Holy Land. And that's why we need to pray for that community. All right. What is the definition of the word Palestinian? The simple definition, Palestinians are the Arabs who live in Palestine or Israel. But now the more complicated definition is this. Don't try to memorize it because you'll forget it. Modern Palestinians are the descendants of the Canaanites, Philistines, Jews, Samaritans, Greeks, Romans, Persians. The Crusaders, Arabs, and many other nations that have invaded Palestine and intermingled with its natives for millennia. What does that teach us about Palestinians? They are just like Canadians. (laughs) 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 Except it took Canada maybe about 300 years to be the population to be what it is today. It took us about 6,000 years to be who we are today. Okay, don't confuse modern Palestinians with the ancient Philistines. You read in the Bible about David and Goliath fighting. David is Israelite, Goliath is Philistine. Well, if you confuse that, then you think that, you know, Goliath and David are still fighting today. But, uh, no, the modern Palestinians are not the ancient Philistines. So please, correct your Sunday school teacher. All right. Messianic Jews. We have Jews in Israel who believe in Jesus Christ. We call them Messianic Jews. A Messianic Jew is a Jew who accepts Yeshua, Jesus, as his Herr Messiah and continues to observe Jewish customs and traditions. Today in Israel, there are between eight to 12,000 Messianic Jews. They have congregations all over Israel and their numbers are increasing. And there is fellowship from time to time between Messianic Jews and Palestinian Christians. Guess why? We have common denominator. Amen. Jesus Christ. Yeah, okay. Now, I want to switch a little bit. Let me see the time. How many minutes I have still left? I think I have about five minutes. All right. In five minutes, I want to tell you what happened in 100 years. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. Okay, 
I'm going to tell you a little bit about the story of my mother and my family. This is my mother. Her name is Huda. She lived from 1916 to 2006. These are my grandparents. This is where we lived in old Jerusalem. This is a very old picture. It's about 140 years old. I didn't take it, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) This is right here is where we lived in West Jerusalem until 1948. And then my family was expelled from our neighborhood. We used to belong to the Greek Orthodox Church, and my mother was the first one to convert to evangelical Christianity. There is my grandmother. Her name is Nazira. This is my mother when she was a little baby. The reason I have all of these pictures is because I wrote a book called Palestinian Memories, so I'm borrowing some of the pictures in my book. Oh, oh, I lost two minutes. All right. Here we go. A little bit about the political problem. Uh, I'm going to skip some pictures. That's family. That's my mom and dad and so on. Al-Nakba. This means the Palestinian catastrophe in 1948. 800,000 Palestinians became refugees, lost their homes. My father was shot and killed, leaving my mother with seven children. The youngest was six months old. The oldest was 11 years old. But after a few days, we were kicked out out of our home alongside with all the refugees. All right, the United Nations decided those refugees have to come back home. So Palestinians um, in 1949 owned approximately 87.5% of Palestine, Palestine, while the Jews owned 6.6% of the total land mass. The remaining 5.9% was state land as classified by the British. This is why Palestinians rejected the 1947 UN partition of Palestine. Palestinian refugees stayed in refugee camps for 10 years. They were provided by tents by the Red Cross. After 10 years, the United Nations gave them some building material and they built some refugee camps. The UN resolution said Palestinians can go back home, but nobody respected that uh, resolution and Palestinians stayed in refugee camps. My mother was a dedicated uh, Christian. She refused to go to a refugee camp. Instead, She went and registered in college. Her strength came from her faith in Christ. She always taught us, never look back, always look forward. Never ask why God, always ask how God, and never harbor any hatred on your heart to anybody. So, this is us. I don't have to tell tell you where I am, but I am the one with the black hair. (laughs) All right. All right. Sorry, I don't have time to tell you about the peace process and all of that. You have to invite me again. Yeah. Yeah, all of this is a wonderful thing for you to, to know. But come to Bethlehem. In March 5 to 9, we have a conference called Christ at the Checkpoint. And we will be discussing these issues. So March 5 to 9, come to Bethlehem, and we'll love to have you with us. All right, finally, I want to show you this before my time is out, the biblical challenge. You know, as a Palestinian, growing in an evangelical neighborhood or evangelical background, 
You know, my, the missionaries who taught me and who showed me the way of Jesus Christ, and I appreciate them very, very much, they also taught me that the land doesn't belong to me. It belongs to the Jewish people. Even some went far away to say, you must get out of the country because it's not yours. It belongs to the Jewish people. I have to go to the Bible to verify whether this is right or wrong. I came up with this. I call it the two covenant charts. If you want, we can leave a CD with you and you can have uh, study it since I don't have time. The top line, the nation, the land, the city, the temple, the priesthood, the sacrifice. This is how, these are the features of the two covenants. This is how it is interpreted in the old covenant, in the Old Testament. And this is how it is interpreted in the new covenant. What I learned from this, that under the new covenant, God is not so much interested in a piece of land as much as he is interested in our hearts. And that neither Israelis nor Palestinians should, in the name of God, try to push the others out of the land. I believe both Israelis and the Palestinians have the right to live in the land, and they can live in peace with one another. And so, pray for us. Pray for Bethlehem Bible College. Pray for those ministers in Jerusalem, in Bethlehem, in the Galilee. I wish I had more time with you. But thank you for giving me 25 minutes. God bless you.